Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Grit and Glamour. I'm your host, Ruby Veridiano, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Black and Asian love, solidarity, and magic, and fashion, and beyond. Now, recent news about anti-Asian violence has been circulating the media, sparking conversation around the relationship between Black and Asian communities. Now, I'm aware that there are a lot of systemic issues to unpack in just that topic alone. But on today's conversation, I want to be intentionally focused on sharing a vibrant example of what Black and Asian love and solidarity looks like, a narrative that is not often shown in mainstream media. Author, academic, and activist Bell Hooks once said that every great social justice movement has been centered on a love ethic. That's why that I want to really dedicate this conversation to highlight a game-changing example of what it looks like when our communities choose to build, love, and thrive together. On today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Christina Lee and Jerome Lamar, two powerful and dynamic creatives who met at Baby Fat, an, an iconic lifestyle brand founded by Kimora Lee Simmons. At the time, Tina was the vice president of branding who recruited the then 15-year-old Jerome Lamar to design. Today, Tina is the principal at the Love Branding team where she works with brands such as Puma, Sonic uh, Care, and LG, while Jerome has gone from designing for Baby Fat and to now designing for Beyonce and working for future forward brands like Adidas, Google, and launching his own fashion brand, 531. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring some magic to you today and welcome our guests to the show. Hello, Tina and Jerome. Hi. Yes. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so both so much for joining me today. Tell us where you are tuning in from. I'm Jerome. in the Bronx, New York. <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. Thank you both so much. It's such a pleasure to have you both. Um, I remember meeting you for the first time and I know I'm like, these two have a very special relationship. I'm like, there's something special going on and, and with these two. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how um, you met, how this, you know, kind of collaboration started. And did you feel like there was a special connection from the, the very first day you met each other? Tina, I'll let you take this one since you were the one that recruited Jerome. <laughs> So yeah, this was, oh my gosh, I can't even remember what year that was, but definitely a few decades ago. And uh, my ex-boyfriend at the time, he was a head designer for Fat Farm. So he was actually speaking to some students and, and Jerome can probably um, elaborate on the students that were there. And so I, you know, tagged along and I said, you know, let me, you know, check it out. And I walked around the room and I believe there were design students or art students. I don't even remember exactly. All I remember is I looked at the sketches and I was like looking at this kid and I was like, how did he design this? Because it looked like someone that's like a seasoned designer. And you can see his uh, background in his um, in the image right now where he is. But he had he was like a seasoned designer. He looked like a little boy, like very skinny and frail. And he had this big smile like he does now. And I was like, would you want to intern at Baby Fat? And he was like, oh, my God, I'll let him tell his side of the story. <laughs> and. It was then, ever since then. I mean, special connection. He was always a very, like his energy, how you can see right now, he always had that energy. He was always very happy-go-lucky, always had a bright smile. Um, 
always had a lot of ideas. Um, so, you know, I just always looked at him like, okay, you know, okay, kid, like, you know, I'm <laughs> with you. So come on, you're going to help me, you know, make things, uh, make my life easier, make Moore's life easier. So that's how I looked at him at that time. Okay, Jerome, now I want to hear your side of the story. <laughs> like, you know, you're 15 years old. How did it feel to that, to like, be like, hey, come, come and design for us. So the, it, I mean, it was a lot of manifestation that led to that point, right? Because before Tina, I call her Tina, but um, before Christina discovered me, I was a little black boy from the Bronx, right? Working at Key Food and going to high school and being an honor student and, you know, very, I'm very tenacious. I've always been that way, right? And what people didn't know is I kept calling the baby fat office. <laughs> For every day, hi, I used to speak to Franny, who was the receptions at the time and before the company got bigger, bigger, bigger. She used to talk to me and she's like, Jerome, she said to me, Jerome, one day when you are a little older, because I was a little kid doing the most, there will be a position here waiting for you. And so I kind of, that was the last conversation I had with Franny at that time. And I kind of let it go. I got scooped up in the honor society to present to designers, to designers in the industry. And then Tina was there that one day. And I, you know, I remember presenting to a group of people, didn't care because I didn't see Russell or Kamora Lee Simmons. So I was just talking my talk, <laughs> very confident. Being yourself. <laughs> myself. And was like, this is this, and this is what I'm gonna do when I get older. And just very, 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 just very strong. I was a little bit of a, a very aggressive young man <laughs> when I was then. And um, I will never forget the day that um, I met Tina because she came into the, the space after presenting. I had my portfolio out, went to an art school and I was like the honor student. And she said, who did this? And I was like, I was so like full of myself, I swear. And I remember looking up because I was sketching already and looking up and saying to her like, I did, you know? <laughs> and Tina was so nice and she just was like flipping. She was like, well, would you want to work for baby fat? My whole energy shifted. <laughs> I looked up, I made eye contact. I wasn't, it was horrible, but I was making, I made eye contact and I discovered the power of manifestation and just being in the right place at the right time because Tina literally changed my life yeah. at that moment by, by you know, discovering me. So yeah, it was very magical. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, we're going to talk about the power of manifestation a little bit later in the conversation, which I'm really excited about because it's one of my favorite topics, but I don't often have the space to do it. So we're going to create that space today. So I'm already feeling like we're sending out some like crazy energy into the world right now. Now let's back up a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and was it common for you to witness black and Asian friendship and unity during your childhood? I'm gonna go with Jerome first since we went with Tina earlier. Um, so what was your childhood like in the Bronx? So, I mean, I I have a very whimsical approach to my upbringing. Um, that's probably why I'm so happy, but um, I did. I saw, I knew a lot of mixed race couples in the Bronx. Um, and I always thought the world in my little hub was like that. You know, I grew up in a really small park pocket of the Bronx, which wasn't is it wasn't as aggressive as people think the Bronx could be. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like the suburbs. Like the schooling was great. All, you know, we 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 went on great field trips, and yeah. we knew the difference between Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Cantonese. You know, like literally, we understood that and we knew that because we had Earth Day. We had 
uh, Flag Day, we understood the diversity that comes within the community. And so um, we've always seen mixed people, mixed um, races, Asian and black, Japanese and Irish, like all of those things um, is what made, I guess, my perspective of the world what it is today. So um, I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. And what about you, Tina? So I grew up in Seattle, um, the suburbs of Seattle called Federway, Washington State. Mm-hmm. And it there was a mix. Yeah. There was a mix of different races, but I will say I always surrounded myself around um, a different, like different cultures since I was young. Um, so there was like enough to mix in. Obviously it wasn't majority, but I always oh. just kind of grew up that way. So I just, I always surrounded myself around different cultures um, and I always just enjoyed that um, growing up. So I had the capabilities to a certain degree. Yeah, I think we're all very lucky and that I think we all have what, what we have in common is that we've been able to these are this, this is normal for us, but it's not normal for a lot of people. You know, and it's like these are not stories that are being told in like movies or films. So like the narrative around black and Asian communities is a little bit garbled to me. I'm like, wait a second. What do you mean that's happening or that's how people are viewing each other? I've always just had this, as Jerome said, like pockets of just love that where that was just the norm. So that's why I was like, I really want to in my little corner of the Internet, just shed a light on that um, because you two are actual proof of that, you know, the magic that happens when our communities can like build together. Um, so as you know, there's been a lot of like, you know, wave of anti-Asian violence around the world. Um, and because of that, that's why this conversation is happening. Now, I know that there's a lot to unpack there, right? But what I'm really curious about is your firsthand experiencing witness, like uh, your firsthand experience and witnessing what, um, kind of collaborations have come out of strong black and Asian unity. It could, it could be at baby fat or it could just be in your own personal life. So I would just love to hear from you um, what stories you might share around that topic. Uh, Jerome. Um, okay, so baby fat was the beginning for me, right? To, to see that there was a world out there that was just really, really cool and it was possible. So going into the office at any given moment, you had all kinds of race and like, I just thought every, I have to, I'm gonna start off by saying this, Tina really cocooned me and protected me from a lot of stuff that I didn't know was going on. I went from being a naive, kind of very confident kid to being a naive, very confident man, I guess. (laughs) Because but it's fault. <laughs> I'm into this office, this corporate environment, and there's so much diversity. So I just always assumed that that was how it was everywhere. And I could go and knock on the door of a VP and get an, ask a question and it will help this kid. It just I always thought that was the world. So um, me going into that environment and seeing Black, Asian, Latino, Irish, uh, Italian, all these races that I've always known, but working together to build an empire was magical. It was one of the best experiences anyone could ever have. It was part of an era and it created a whole chapter in fashion, in culture that can never be copied because it was so authentic and the work ethic was there. And to see the respect amongst one another was just so much for me. And and I was there as a, from a teen to the age of 23. So. 
watching everyone grow from a smaller office to a bigger office and watching how they all did business together and watching, you know, and learning from like Tina, how to like do certain things as well and how to present myself in certain rooms. And because, you know, I, it just was one of the best environments that if you weren't there, you can never experience ever. And uh, it's made me into kind of, I say people call me a beast now, but I think I learned a lot of my beastness from working under Tina. Um, and you know, conduct yourself, how she did business, and knowing this is how you should present yourself. And, work. Ooh, and, and this is how you should present yourself to the world when you're doing this and follow up and follow through and all those things that are very important. So, um, yes, baby fat was the umbrella, but I think um, seeing Tina is like my sister now, so it's very different, but seeing the way that uh, Tina kind of moved in that environment as a as an as an Asian woman, um, as a young man, was very important for me as a black man um, in the Bronx. So um, that environment, that respect that I've grown from that was very significant at that time. So yeah, I love that because what I'm hearing is that there's like there was strong mentorship there, and when you're a mentor, you take responsibility for someone's growth and development. So I'm sure like Tina is so proud of you. Um, okay, what about you, Tina? Like, what kind of magic did you experience? Um, and again, like as Jerome said, this was an iconic chapter in fashion history. So you know, like now when I talk talk about baby fat to younger generations and they don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, my mind is blown. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, have you done your research? <laughs> yeah, I'll just add on to Jerome because, you know, that was like my first job, my first career. I was there for 10 years and, you know, Black and Asian love, that's Kamora herself. She's Black and Asian, right? So it starts from her. Um, and then as Jerome mentioned, like just the whole like office environment. So yeah, we I was also privileged too to just be in this environment that this is how it goes. This is how it how it is. And kind of hearing Jerome's, um, how he grew up and, and talking about how I grew up, it's like we kind of actually grew up the same, you know, in 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 the aspect of, we've always been surrounded about around multi multiple multiple cultures, right? Um, so it kind of started with us and our upbringings, um, and they kind of just naturally grew us together. But Kamora was all about United Colors of Benetton the multiple cultures in one. So if you look back at our campaigns and our runway shows, it was always um, a necessity, a priority that we had all cultures um, represented. Obviously the campaigns were her and her kids, but if you, you know, in stores like the POP ads, it was always about diversity. When we did like Fabulosity, the JCPenney's line, it was always about diversity, you know? So that's always been, you know, as Jerome mentioned, it's like we were privileged in that capacity, you know, having Russell Simmons, having Kamorley Simmons, having this black and Asian love, and then being in this environment that was like, you know, really supported. So coming outside that bubble was a little bit of a shock for me. I don't know for Jerome, mm -hmm. but I was like, what? I, I'm Asian? No, like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean doing those um, Asian signs with the eyes? Like I haven't seen that since I was like in elementary school. So uh, yeah, we were definitely privileged um, in that environment for sure. And I want to add on to that. Like also, you know, being a gay black male mm. Mm. That, and understanding that it was okay to be who I was right, and, and not shunned upon or, oh, you're too... Uh, there was none of that. It was so, I feel, I almost want to cry every time I think about it because it was such a really amazing environment. Yeah. It was created by, of course, the, the heads created, but like the environment of the everyday people 
who respected each other enough to just say, yeah. this is who you are. This is, you know, and, it, and it, I, wasn't the, I wasn't the only gay black male. There was older gay black males who were there who was doing things and really loud and really, and I just, is the, the level of confidence that came from seeing all this diversity, all these minorities, whether it is a female boss or, you know, Asian boss, whatever you want to call it, all the norms that was not supposed to happen then was there. And I think um, somewhere in the back of my mind, I am spoiled. Like Tina yeah. said, when I left, and I, I went to that's when I went to Paris to do trends and tondons, yeah. whatever you call it. That's when I realized like the world wasn't this utopian. Yeah. <laughs> and and it just was something that made me grow up a little more. But at the same time, I know it was very special because now I know. Uh, that it can exist in that sense. And I think what's special too is that because you know how it is to be treated in that way, you can then also create that space because, you know, as you're creating companies, you're both entrepreneurs, you're creating companies. Now you learn how to lead from good leaders who then um, was, you know, showed you how to create a company culture that's based on respect and diversity and celebrating everyone. So I think that you also are so important in the fashion industry because you are going to be transmitting these values and multiplying them. Whereas, you know, a lot of people think about fashion and even myself included, like when I go to fashion shows, sometimes you get a very kind of not the most peaceful or like loving vibe. But I think that what we can offer is like, okay, well, that might not be the vibe, but I'm going to bring that vibe, right? Like, I'm gonna step in and be that light. So um, I wanna ask, yeah, go ahead, Tina. One more thing, it's me and Jerome. Jerome and I, we're black and Asian love. You know, that's- I know, like, that's why I picked y'all. <laughs> so that's another example I wanted to add um, yes. of, you know, a great yeah. experience and- Yeah, and I, and I love that your example is about mentorship because I think that we should definitely, um, regardless of what experiences we have, we should be mentoring others and making sure that we're uh, creating that pipeline of talent so that we can multiply ourselves. Um, so I want to ask you one last question about your friendship and in that, like, you know, what is the glue that you think holds your friendship together? This is like a Tina and Jerome love fest. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, you want to go first? Um, I can go first. Um, honestly, it's just. I don't know. We just have like, like he said, we're like family at this point. So I would say um, purpose, yeah, um, energy too. Because I check Jerome sometimes. Like he says, he's a very overconfidently confident um, (laughs) guy, and it works in his favor. But you know, you know, so it's all about energy always and being on that page. But purpose and values. You know, we have like similar values in life, and you know, even though we're so different when it comes to our background, he's from the Bronx. I'm from Fedway, Washington. But how we kind of grew up was, you know, very disciplined environment. So we, you know, are on the same page without having to be on the same page. So we understand each other very well. Oh, let's start there. That yeah. That is definitely very um, true. Um, and just like the level of respect, like she, you know, she always kind of saw me as this person that I didn't know I was going to become kind of thing, you know. So it's very it's a level of respect there. I see her. I see her as my sister. I, like you know, she taught me to drive and all this other crazy stuff. Like it's really cool. So it, it's just a, a very different relationship because she's known me since what now is like twenty years, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. So 
it's a, it's just something that is very rare. Um, yeah. Knows that I can get, you know, again, I can be very like, you know, <laughs> diva, but then she understands where it's coming from. And she actually taught me a lot of how to manage that energy, I guess, in a sense. So this is like, there's like this whole like, uh, Jedi Knight thing happening here, right? Like I learned a lot from from, from Tina, and and that's the realness, and um, and even like work ethic wise, like we've always been workers, but just those things that are very important that makes our friendship even better. Yeah, this is my sibling in a way, you know. Yeah, I think he said a key thing. I learned from him too, so we learn from each other. You know, and that still goes. So that keeps us, you know, together because we're both, you know, evolving in our journeys um, together, separate, whatever that is. And I learned from him too. When it comes to manifestation, and I know <laughs> we'll talk about that later, Jerome's been my witness to be like, oh, okay. Like he, I've seen multiple times throughout his life, you know, manifest so much. Yep. Until this day, and I know we'll talk about this later, is like I do visions. Because, you know, one of the reasons is because of Jerome. And I, I practice that daily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I love about this conversation is that um, the unity that you both have in terms of your friendship is not only creating like um, game changing, like, you know, fashion creations, but it's really about also creating this energy of positivity and magic, right? Mm -hmm. I think that more people should learn how to tap into. Um, and that's why I wanted to uh, invite you both on the show. Cause I'm like, you know, there's so many like conversations around, wait a second, why are our communities supposed to be fighting? Like, this is not the world that I know of. Mm -hmm. And it's just that because people are not seeing examples, strong examples of, uh, of, of friendships like yours. Uh, but we see that when we can just, you know, um, uh, cross away some of those barriers, we are so much more powerful. Yeah, yeah so much more powerful. So we're going to go into this manifestation conversation now, okay? Because the first word, or when I first met you both, I knew that I was like, oh, these are my people because you talked about the word alignment. And I was like, oh, here we go. Speaking of alignment, this is a nice little alignment of like fashion people that I feel like I could really click with. So how do you define alignment and how does this concept of alignment play into your work mm. as a creative and as a professional? I don't know who wants to take that on first. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, it is everything to me, um, as Tina knows. And as I said in the beginning, like it, it all started with the manifestation, right? And understanding the power of the mind and just the level of spirituality that I think most people are afraid to tap into, right? So um, for me, alignment comes when there are very few obstacles in your way and you can see the you can see the clear blue sky. You know, I, it's very. I'm so I don't know. I'm just such a. I'm I believe in magic so much. It's like part of who I am, you know. And it's like into it's like ingrained in like the DNA of the brand and like how I carry myself and how I speak to people and um and and like you know this one thing. So like the alignment comes when when this is what Tina taught me um, mm. when you. When you <laughs> when you lessen your ego, right? And you know that Tina taught me was um, edging God out instead mm -hmm. of like you know. And that element is very. I think about it every day. Like, oh, okay, am I 
is my ego coming through or am I like, you know, that stuff is very, it's very important to me. And um, I've learned so much from, from understanding that that ego can really stop you from the alignment. Right. So, and Tina knows like when we were there, when I was, when I would get into those, those, the need, the, the confusion, the, the scared, the anger, the, you know, the, you're not noticing me thing. That's when the blessings and the magic kind of stops there. But the moment I stop thinking in that vibration, that's when all the abundance comes back. So, um, so now I'm, I check my, I, I, I'm 35 now. So now I'm like, I've really checked myself as much as I can uh, to remain humbled. I'm, I'm a humble person all the time, but my ego comes through as like the big scary monster. It's a hot pink monster who's like, wanna take up everything, you know? So I try to check it and make like lessen it and make sure it, it doesn't come out as much because it doesn't need to exist. Right. And that's why I believe the, um, and. Tina used Tina always uses alignment. Like she always uses that term. It's alignment. It's alignment. And so that is ingrained in my mind when I feel things are working out the way it needs to. Yeah. And what about you, Tina? What does alignment mean to you? Man, um, so edging got out. I when I left baby fat, I was searching for like purpose and identity. Mm-hmm. And so I got a spiritual life coach. So he taught me that um, edging got out. So alignment to me is just that natural fall with God. Mm-hmm. You know, baby fat was such a, an amazing experience. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the positive aspects of it, but it was also very demanding. You know, I was working 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 10 years of my life. So when I left, you know, baby fat, I was like kind of searching for, you know, wanting, you know, an environment that was aligned to something that, you know, I had values in and that I believed in, Um, you know, not, you know, that was a great, like a secondary school for me at baby fat. Right. You know, it was, it was the, the best opportunity I probably could have ever experienced in my life, but there were some things that I didn't really align to, you know, necessarily. And so when I left and just really went on my spiritual journey, um, you know, it, and that's when I, you know, really learned more about like alignment and things naturally flowing. Cause you know, when you're at a company where you're, you know, flying private, traveling the world and everyone says yes to you, no one says no, you know, you don't really know what alignment is until when I was taken outside that bubble and I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, the people are perceiving me as me, not with my title. And so that's when I was like, had a very um, huge wake up call, but then it also taught me like going into that flow, going into that natural alignment. You know, when something doesn't work out and that door doesn't open, it's it's for a reason. Mm. And like Jerome said, you see the blue skies and those doors are opening. God's opening those doors for a reason because that alignment is supposed to be there and it flows. Yeah. for me, it's about that flow with God. Yeah, I love that. And I think what's so important is that we're all working in fashion and also like in fashion, entertainment and music, there's a lot of ego. and There's a lot of external validation that people are seeking, right? And the only way you're going to be able to succeed and actually for real, for real thrive in that space is if you are strong in your core internally. And the only way you're doing that is if you're tapping into the divine identity within yourself yep. and you're able to stand from that space and, and instead 
instead of uh, feeling like you are um, caught up in the lights and shrinking and being dark, you get to show up and be like, no, I'm the light. You know, it doesn't matter how dark this space is. I'm going to bring that light. But in order to bring that light, you have to be in alignment and to tap into what's inside. So I just so appreciate you doing that because I think part of this a podcast is also about creating and sharing a culture in fashion that I think is more in, you know, from the source that we're all kind of sitting in mm-hmm. and trying to you know, create that vibration and multiplying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, we've talked about manifestation. Some people don't know what that means. And, you know, maybe like manifestation one-on-one, one on one, right? So a lot of folks are also stuck with very limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, We've all, I think, grown up in like environments where maybe people weren't necessarily um, going like being on billboards or like traveling the world. Right. Like, you know, I think that uh, for me, especially as an immigrant kid, like I was like encouraged to stay in my lane and, you know, do the safe route. So for someone who wants to break out of their limiting beliefs and wants to start that journey to to like tapping into magic, um, what would your advice be to them? And maybe also if you could start off by like defining what you, what manifestation means for people who don't know. Jerome, can you take that? Mine is very deep. Um, Let's do it. Just in the New York Times for manifestation, which was a really cool thing to be in, which I manifested. So this is very important to me. For me, manifestation, there's a whole method to it that I think most people, now after all these years of doing it and consistently testing the, the theory, this is free love, right? I, there's a muscle that we all have that I think if we use it, we can we can tap into the divine. So. I know for a fact that when I'm manifesting, um, I am putting myself in a really beautiful, comfortable state and I'm aligning memories or fragments of different memories to create a new one that is obtainable, that is somewhat realistic and that's that feels like I can obtain it. So. With that being said, we all have a memory brain bank. Our brains are amazing machines. And it comes from tapping into that library of senses, right? So I can manifest something right this second, and I know it will come because I can remember the way certain things taste, um, the sound, the smell, the way the sun feels on my skin. Mm. And that's being present. And it's very, it's somewhat magical, but it's also real science, right? And I, and the, the best part is you can do this anywhere you want to, anywhere you are, anywhere you want to be or anywhere you want to go. You can do it. You, you can sit still and take yourself to whatever place, vision that you want to, to have. But I go technical and I take fragments of, the way, let's say the room smelled at, in one place that I could remember. Boom. Let's yeah. say the taste of salsa water on my tongue. Boom. Yeah. The sound of the radiator clicking. Boom. The sunlight that hits my skin. The time of day, what I was wearing. How does the fabric feel on my skin? All those things 
creates a memory that hasn't existed yet mm. that physically manifests itself because you can stay in it and bring it to, to, to fruition. So I think we all can do it. We just need to take the minute and, you know, sometimes this is our worst enemies. Put it down and, and let your mind do what it needs to do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hearing two things. Tell me if I got it right. Mm -hmm. But it's about vision meeting kind of the sensory, mm -hmm. right? Like triggering the senses so that you are actually feeling what's in your vision. And actually, there's a there is scientific proof to that because actually like the brain and the heart doesn't actually know the difference between exactly. real memory mm -hmm. or an imagination. So <laughs> it's just, biologically speaking, we're altering our cellular energetic, you know, a life force to then already adapt to that. And that's why alignment is when that new reality and your present reality converge. Right. <laughs> Ooh, exactly. so good. So good. Uh, Tina, do you want to add something to, you know, manifestation and, you know, how people advice that you have for people who want to start? Yeah. Um, well, Jerome, were we in Miami for a second? Cause like when you were, were you, when you were, um, you took us there with us. Like I, I felt it when you said the sun on my skin and I was like, Oh, I feel like hotness on my face. Is that really good fun? Yeah. yeah. And then you said the fragrance. Um, no. So obviously like knowing Jerome for so long, like that's been him always right i grew up like like you said an immigrant family like it was all about survival i didn't know anything about the word manifestation until like later in life and then literally seeing drum say i'm gonna manifest this and you know and then boom it happens so you know for me you know when it comes to like limiting you you talked about like limiting beliefs and learning how to manifest you know so i learned this as more of an adult in my life and um i'm a very logical person i'm you know type a a little bit i have that creative side but not you know to the extent of jerome where you know he literally can envision these things and and that's his gift that he has, right? That it's a natural gift for him. And it is something that we should practice and we can practice in our life. But for me, it was like, part of it is like really knowing yourself. You got to know yourself first. And Jerome knows himself, right? He told us like when he was very young, he knew exactly what he wanted. I grew up different. I grew up very sheltered. Like my mom and my, my brother, like they made major decisions in my life. You know, even though I had this role at Baby Flat as a VP, like, you know, I knew what I needed to do. But when it came to my personal life, when I left Baby Fat, I was so clueless. I was so lost. And I had to really find myself. Once I found myself, then I was learning about manifestation and applying it. You know, I heard about it. I would see it. But then it was like, you know, applying that to my life and then applying the visions you know, practicing that. And like Jerome said, it is a muscle. It's something you can practice and people can, you know, invite into their life if they really focus on that and they stay present. But, you know, it really does start with knowing yourself first. Because um, yeah. if you don't know yourself, you don't know what you want. How are you supposed to manifest things that you want, you know? So that's that's my add-on to Jerome. Yeah. Now, just to follow up, Tina, like in terms of like knowing yourself, like when you were in that process, what kind of questions were you asking to get mm. to that self, the like, knowledge of self? Man, I was in my early 30s, you know, like I said, on top of the world, you know, you know, I. I, I, I ended up getting a spiritual life coach. I was searching for purpose and I was searching for identity. 
And at the start of my journey, like after year one, my brother had passed away and he was my mentor mm. and he was seven years older. So he always made, without me realizing it, he always made um, business decisions, not even business decisions, like all the major decisions in my life. He always had that influence. He always was that soundboard. But until he was gone, that's when I realized, I don't know what I want. I don't know who mm. I am. Yeah. Like leave the fashion industry, you know, because it's so not fulfilling for me. You know, in 2010, you know, it was the core of fashion and it was the core of um, the height of fast fashion. There was no fulfillment of purpose at that point. So especially mm. when my brother passed away at 39 in his sleep, natural, like out of nowhere, that was a wake up call for me to like, you know, figure out like, yes, purpose. Who was I? What's my next step in my career? Why am I here? What am I doing? Mm. And, you know, I look at it like then I understood all the things that Jerome did and practiced. And, you know, I, you know, then I started applying that into my life. You know, I had my coach and, you know, and just really indulged myself. But I had that kind of um, tangible example because I was around that, you know, like, yeah. you know, Jerome's so young, you know, I just looked at him as like a happy go lucky kid, mm -hmm. you know, super talented, but, you know, I would hear, you know, I'd be so in my zone, in my lane. I never really like appreciated life at that time, but I would, you know, I would hear, I'd be like, you know, I'd see him go in and out and, you know, change his looks and, you know, so I would like peep it, but I was like, so like head down, like you said, like the immigrant style of a family, just head down, do my work and never really developed myself at that time. Yeah, thank you. I love just hearing like how both of you give to each other in very different ways, but in very full ways, you know, you're like replenishing each other. And I think that that's a beautiful example of the kind of relationships we should all strive to have, right? It's like quality versus quantity. Um, so just to, we're going to shift gears a little bit, but it's still related because Jerome, I know you're launching your own fashion brand and you've got a special meaning behind it. Tell us about the name, where it comes from, what does it mean? Um, so 531, um, it's my birthday. Hey. Woo! May 31st. Um, but that was the number that my grandmother uh, told me to always look for when she's sitting a symbol or sign or, or something, you know, good vibrations before she passed away. So you know, she said that, oh, yeah, grandma, cool, love you. And then she passed away. I was like 15. This is actually right before I got baby back. So um, so I didn't think about that. Now, every time I do something right or do the, you know, give something or feed someone, or it's such a very interesting. The number just pops up, whether it's on a, the time or a license plate, and I just happen to look and see it. So the number is a very spiritual number for me, um, and mm -hmm. it also equals to the number nine. Um, and it's been guiding me all this time. So yeah, very spiritual driven fashion brand. <laughs> awesome, awesome, yeah. Now, I mean, we all know fashion is a very beautiful, glitzy, glamorous industry, but there's also a lot of toxicity in it as well. I think we can all agree with that. Um, how intentional are you about creating a different kind of space within fashion mm -hmm. and how do you envision um, that that space in its relationship to sustainability and social justice. Yeah, um, I'll let who, whoever, who wants to take this on? <laughs> you wanna go or you want me to go? Uh, you go, I just spoke. I mean, I can do it, but you should go. Okay. <laughs> Brother and sister over here. Like, yeah, so, 
as I was mentioning, like leaving baby fat, I wasn't as fulfilled, um, you know, because I had probably, you know, reached the height of my um, position at the company at the time. And so I was definitely feeling empty, as I was mentioning, and I felt like I had no purpose. And, you know, the premise of the brand was amazing for the experience. But I will say, you know, we were pushing a materialistic lifestyle. And so I um, on that journey of finding myself, I created this concept, Change and Crew. And so not like Jerome's direction. I'm trying to point to the screen because <laughs> yes. um, Jerome is, you know, he obviously didn't mention it, but I always like talking about him. You know, he's very conceptual. You know, he has na a natural gift of forecasting and, um, you know, he's innovative, you know. And so for me, um, I created this brand in my mind um, back when I left Baby Fat um, of something purposeful and that gives back. And so I'm actually going to launch and I kind of did like a pre-launch, but my brand is fashion-based, sustainable and ethical uh, sourcing. And it's really focusing on compassion campaigns. So it's a split. It's really, you know, having that influence and obviously branding and marketing is my background and having that influence of obviously quality products, not necessarily, I would say a collection, but just more for like mankind, mankind mankind's best friend. Um, you know, having that influence of having quality products, sustainable products, and, you know, being aware of, you know, being ethical, but really the other part is, um, compassion campaigns. So partnering with organization and really promoting and featuring that organization. So it's really like a message purpose-based brand, um, still in the space of fashion. Um, but you know, my creativity is more on just like the branding and the marketing message of it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Jerome. Um, well, as you can see, I'm a very happy person <laughs> and sometimes it's a, it's not everyone's cup of tea, especially in this industry. So they, they either think you're fake or you're want something from them, but I, I'm neither of the such. I'm always in my own little world and manifest my own abundance. Right. So I'm just naturally a happy person. Yeah. I yeah. eat the way I was raised. So the, so my purpose um, is to really just show the next generation or whomever needs to see it, that um, there's another path. You don't have to be a jerk. <laughs> you don't have to be mean. You know, there was a, there was a, <laughs> Tina was there when, actually, Ruby, you're connected to this too. Right after oh. we left, the, right after we met you, we went to a fashion show that day. And that mm. day, with my cameraman, you remember that? Yeah. That day I encountered someone who was from the old guard of fashion, the mean, the evil, the uh, yelling and screaming for no apparent reason. Yeah. Backstage. And directly at him. Oh, wow. At me. Mind you, mm -hmm. I was doing all this for Lyft, a little mini thing for Lyft as a, mm -hmm. you know, and Lyft wasn't that big then, but it was significant, right? Yeah. You do Lyft. And so we went backstage and they and this one woman was very, very rude and very disgusting to myself, mm -hmm. mainly me, but to the, the whole crew, which is myself and Christina. And she reminded me about my power. At first I got very little and very confused and very, because hmm, I wasn't, you know, but then I realized that I'm part of the next wave, baby. I have a high vibration. I know exactly what I want and how I'm going to get it. And I have 
crazy talent. So that is when not the ego, but the confidence came forward to say, oh, I know what I need to do. Shift the vibration. So I ended up shifting the whole thing. Yeah. I Not like even having to, to badmouth this person or talk dirty about this person. Yeah. Um, naturally, the people who didn't want to work with this person anymore ended mm-hmm. all the contracts right. with this person. And right. I and I I'm not trying to feel I'm not happy about it or anything like that. But I understood what my role was and is and will be in this industry. And that is to always bring a high vibration, always be polite and respectful, always treat people with respect, always do the work. And there's no need to be rude or disgusting or mean because those old guards are now trying to figure themselves out right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here in a bright loft, happy, thanking God every single day that I stay true to myself. And that yeah. I continue to try to help as many people as possible without asking for anything in return. Right. And that is the way that I want the industry to go into. And it seems to be shifting and such, thanks to yes. all the things that's happening. So I'm yeah. grateful. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, again, like what Tina said about knowing yourself, having that relationship with a higher power, you come from a space of abundance. And I think a lot of times people who are insecure, it's just because they're they have a scarcity mindset. They don't want, they don't believe that everybody can win. But when you're coming from a space of abundance, we all win. And it's, we all win. It's a win-win situation. So I totally get where you're coming from. You know, there's, there's, there's so much of it that we all can sip from the same river, you know? And I always say that, I'm like, there's no competition. And I remember being, when I was a little younger and I would just think about, um, just the attitudes that will come towards me when I would be so happy to see someone or, you know, I, I genuinely, I am just a happy, I don't know. I'm just a happy person. And I keep feeling like, wow, I'm a little too happy for people, but I'm a happy person. And you know, I get it. my parents, my mom and my dad both had to remind me that I've always been this way, that I've always been high vibrational, that I've always been happy, that I've always, you know, and it's funny because I, I, during my time at Baby Fat, I was avoiding my dad. So like, mm-hmm. ah, I'm gay, so you don't understand me, dad. You don't understand me, dad. But mm-hmm. dad's a black military man who has a PhD. He's a doctor. He's a doctorist in, in all this other stuff. He's a brilliant guy. But I was avoiding my dad. Oh, I'm not going to talk to my dad. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get it. And that's, once I unlocked that, that energy, it was amazing because he's still there. We still, we're super close, too close. Like He's like... Tell you about all kinds of stuff I don't want to hear now, right? He's retired. Um, but it's it's one of those things It's like knowing yourself, like you said, like you both said, and knowing and having your, when you have that validation from your parents in a way, it does a whole nother thing to you, right? Because I think now that I am no longer, and there, again, there was times that I was feeling very, I have to prove myself. But now after having the validation from the people who know me uh. really well, I'm just like, eh, take it or leave it. and I'm happy and I want to help you genuinely and I don't need anything from you I just want to figure out how you can get to your goal too you know absolutely Absolutely. I love that now um, speaking of old guards 
and uh, new guards and things changing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what advice do you have for folks, the next generation of fashion mm -hmm. professionals who are navigating the industry because things are shifting and things are changing, as you said. So um, Tina, you're the veteran here. Like, what would you recommend? And I know you're also uh, a fashion like uh, professor as well. So you, you know, what advice do you have for the next generation? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm teaching at FIT. So I'm always with these um, young students. And, you know, it's amazing to like see their mindset. Um, so, you know, I always tell them, you know, again, be authentic to who, you're, who you are, you know, really understanding who you are, um, being present, you know, with taking us back to like Jerome and, um, you know, helping us understand manifestation and, you know, you know, hearing all the senses and stuff like that. And, and it's, it's something that I always remind myself, because again, when I was at baby fat, I was not present. I was on, you know, day, you know, the next day and the next week. Mm. And so, you know, that is something that I try to practice daily is just being present, like being present in this conversation, you know, and just listening to this conversation, you know, appreciating like what we're talking about right now. Um, so yeah, being authentic and being present. Um, I also tell my students too, and just any younger self is like, you know, expand your network, expand your friendship, you know, I guess, you know, our conversation alone, it's like coming from different backgrounds and up different upbringings. It, you know, really expands, you know, our mindset and it allows us to have more like what you're, you know, really promoting is having these positive relationships. I mean, you can't have that if you don't expand outside of where you're from, right? If we just stay within what we know or the same type of music we listen to or the, you know, in the same country that we're from, we can't really. And so that helps, you know, a part of your journey and, and it helps with the, with the curation of brands when you're working, you know, that just adds on to that knowledge, right? Right. Um, but I will say, like the students are on another level. They get it yeah. like they get purpose. They get like sustainability, just even just with the earth, but just with people, um, you know, they, they they get the quality. Like so the next, you know, that generation that's coming up right now that's in school, like I give props to them because they're also their maturity level is like on another level because they have technology plus and minus. Right. They have the technology. So they have the accessibility. But yeah. They're definitely better than, you know, when I was in school 20 years ago. So I'm really excited to see like what's going to happen because there is like Jerome said, there is a shift happening. That lady that he mentioned is a very well-known publicist and that's the older times now. For yeah. Sure. Okay. Well then Jerome, like I I'd love to hear what you've got to say about this. For the next generation, just be, um, wow. Just be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's something while I am a happy-go-lucky person, I am pretty tough on myself. Um, and sometimes that, that comes up with me being a, kind of a jerk to other people too, you know? So um, I learned along the way to just be patient because it's yeah. going to come if you do the work, keep your head down, yeah, stay respectful, humble, and creative is very important. Yeah. And then you guys talked about expanding and my whole slogan for this chapter in my career is expanding um, a network is about, I say to myself, expensiveness is expensiveness. Meaning one, you know, the expansiveness is the expansiveness. So all of that thing of understanding your place in the universe and your place in the world and what you, what your role is and 
what you can bring to any situation brings abundance, mm-hmm. right? And um, and most people they don't they don't know that they don't they don't tap into that. They just want to go straight to the material side of things, and that stuff is very temporary. And I'm I'm very um, I'm just very grateful. And I think if we remain, if you all, we all remain grateful and like Christina said, being present and yeah. being respectful, um, the abundance just comes right to you. Yeah. It, it, you don't, you attract it. You don't even have to chase it. It just like water. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like alignment, right? Like you're aligning yourself with the right like space and energy. It comes to you. Yeah. So Thank you both so much. I just have one last question before we wrap up. And that's just, you know, telling us what's next for you and where folks can find you if they want to know more about your work. Tina. Um, So I I see on the bottom, um, Instagram and website. So everything sits on my website as well to find me. Um, So yeah, I'm going to, I'm continuing to teach at FIT. I created a personal branding and marketing certificate course for the school. Um, I also, like I mentioned before, um, you know, starting off um, changing crew and really going full force with that. So that is something to look out for, um, just really to be, you know, a position of, you know, influence in a positive way. Um, so those two things and, and continuing to consult as well, you know, focusing on brand strategy and partnership. So that's what's on my plate. It's definitely enough and a lot. And still, you know, I would say just focusing on myself, you know, we always can be better. And um, so that is always on a daily for me, because I'm always like thinking about the other person or the next thing. So, you know, putting myself forward. Love it. All right, Jerome, take us home. Oh, man. Um, As you mentioned, the 531 brand is being relaunched. Um, It's going to be very, very different than what people think it is so that's going to be the focus um i'm also doing more art which is so crazy i just started doing like anime as a hobby and now people are like interested in it so i think my world is moving more towards the art side of everything um also along with like let's say toys and all those really cool fun things that feeds into my nerdy personality um and you know Still doing my trends and color and um, focusing on just being, just being Jerome. It's really fun right now to be me. And I'm, I feel very um, blessed and very happy. And um, I have a great support system. And now I want to take us all there, right? So that's where I'm headed. You can find me on um, Instagram, my name, Jerome Lamar. And on the website has all the goodies. So you can see where I'm at. <laughs> all the goodies. Well, thank you both so much for this wonderful and just soul affirming conversation. I hope that the folks out there are feeling um, this crazy energy that I am feeling myself. So for all of those who tuned in to today's episode of Grit and Glamour, if you felt the magic today, pass it on to somebody else and hope. And we all wish for you love, joy, and magic. Thank you all so much for joining us. And I hope to see you on the next episode of Grit and Glamour. Bye.